Thanks so much for being with us on this Friday. It is Good Friday. It is also World Health Day. This is also the 75th anniversary of the World Health Organization, the WHO, which we know has goals to promote health and well-being around the planet. So we thought we would take a little bit of time to look at public health, look at the successes and the importance of observing this day. Dr. Valerie Crooks is with us now, Canada Research Chair in Health Service Geographies, as well Associate Dean at the UBC Faculty of Environment. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I, I know it's a, it's a day and we kind of talk about it as, as a day to be observed on, on April 7th, but what do you think the importance is of World Health Day and at least taking some time to look at this? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. There's uh, health-related factors that we think about all the time, probably built into our decision-making, whether we're making policies around housing and addressing homelessness, all the way to things such as, you know, recent discussions in the lower mainland around transit. And today's a day where the World Health Organization is really inviting us to make those conversations explicitly about health, to think about what it means to be healthy, to accomplish goals around globally achieving health for all and also thinking about access to health services which is uh, you know an ongoing thing that we always are challenged with in Canada but internationally almost one-third of the world's population lacks access to basic health services that would help them uh, maintain a healthy life. And do we kind of lose sight of that uh, sometimes and maybe the pandemic made us look at that more kind of the inequities when it comes to healthcare or even access to drugs and therapies, but do we kind of uh, tend to lose sight of that and only focus on, on what's happening in our own area? Yes, I think that's something that, you know, it's it's quite easy for us, as you're saying, to lose sight of. So we kind of think locally, um, think about what our concerns are, what our challenges, our issues are. And, of course, the World Health Organization is there to help us push the agenda and actually think globally. So to think about connections between countries, to think about sort of supranational um, health policies that we can consider implementing, and also to help to draw a spotlight on the movement of people between countries and the implications that has uh, for health. Because, you know, we can be focused on what's happening here domestically and lose sight of the fact that actually what happens abroad has a great impact here. And also the fact that um, Canada and Canadians have the ability to have very positive impacts internationally and and, uh, organizations like the WHO can really help us to consider what what those actions could be. Uh, do you think that it's uh, there has been maybe more awareness of the WHO, but perhaps also uh, more people that might be skeptical of it coming uh, through this pandemic and and people were angry in some some cases and, and responding to it? I mean, this was something that was new to, to all of us, but I, I do feel like the, the World Health Organization in some instances kind of took the, the heat for that. Yeah, so I think the World Health Organization is an organization, as you were saying today, we're celebrating the 75th anniversary. It's something that's often in the background. It's unseen, unheard, but doing very important work globally. And then the uh, recent COVID-19 pandemic brought things into the spotlight as people were trying to understand what was happening in relation to the spread of COVID-19. You know, at some points there were finger pointing between jurisdictions saying, well, actually, if you had have acted faster, then we wouldn't be dealing with this here. Well, no, if you 
you had have acted faster, then they wouldn't have been dealing with it there, whatever those impacts are. And so it was kind of thrust into an international or global spotlight that we don't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis. But the work that's undertaken by the WHO and those who work for it is oftentimes sort of in the background helping to, you know, alert us to even, um, for example, emerging global health issues that, that we should be attentive to. But the global spread of the COVID-19 pandemic and the way in which it impacted so many people's lives um, around the world at a particular point in time really thrust this agency into the spotlight for sure. And do you think it's also led to more discussions or more focus on the things that are seemingly out of our control, uh, like something uh, like a world pandemic? And and sure, we we knew or we were told guidelines and and offered up the things on, on what people could do. And like you said, there was a lot of finger pointing too of if mm-hmm. this had happened sooner or this. But does it at least get the discussion on on the things that are kind of out of our control, but then also the things that are within our control when it comes to our health, our own primary health care. Yes, I do think that this has happened as a result of the pandemic. So just to build on the point that you were just making, one of the things that I think actually people have sort of developed a greater awareness of coming through the recent COVID-19 pandemic is the ways in which actually health impacts so many different sectors. So we saw this almost cascade of effects where initially we might have been focused on COVID-19 itself, and then we started to see, well, wait a minute, actually, when people are not able to go to work in certain jurisdictions, that impacts the supply of goods, that impacts the delivery of goods, that creates this sort of amplification effect in terms of supply chains that results in my ability to, um, you know, get certain goods at home actually being altered as, um, due to the kinds of changes that we were seeing. And so I think that there's that kind of awareness coming out as well as also what you were pointing out in terms of, you know, us having sort of a, a greater demonstration recently of the demands placed on our health system and the way in which if those demands increase actually its ability to to deliver may be challenged, um, as well as the ability for us to provide ongoing primary health care, as you were talking about, in light of also meeting increasing demands um, in acute care um, and in trauma care due to what we were seeing as a result of um, COVID-19. So I think that, you know, the pandemic has brought into our daily conversations more issues about health and has sometimes actually increased our ability to understand the interconnectedness between, as I was mentioning um, earlier, things like transportation and transit systems and how those can actually be impacted by explicit um, health-related events. Hmm. And do you think we're we're spending enough time? I know that you you focus on or you 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 spend a lot of time looking at, at things like um, chronic illness, palliative health, and such. But do we spend enough time? Do you think looking at preventative health, uh, preventative health care? Well, you know what, even if I felt like we were spending enough time, I would say that enough could actually really never be enough. In other words, you know, identifying those ways that we can prevent um, the onset of illness, the onset of disease, will never be good enough at identifying all the ways in which we could do that. In other words, what I'm trying to suggest is we can always push ourselves to do better. So if we feel like we're maybe doing that well enough in relation to one particular type of illness or one particular group of diseases, there are always going to be others um, for which we can have great attention. The other sort of related issue in that regard is that 
um, you know, preventative care, it, it doesn't rest solely in the domain of um, public health or health services, but actually preventing the onset of disease, it actually rests across the spectrum of all the kinds of policies that we offer, whether we're thinking about offering uh, or a robust education system and what that means to, again, things like transit, supply chains, to housing, um, to employment readiness. So, you know, it really does cross cross cut everything. And so, you know, we know that, um, you know, investments in preventative care are incredibly sound in terms of the return on the investment in terms of people's health. And so we always have to challenge ourselves to think about new ways that we can do that and the ways in which doing things like uh, investing in greater social care actually has an impact on what we see in terms of the health of the population. So no matter how good we're getting at it, we always have the opportunity to do better. And this is what um, many public health professionals are in place in order to do to identify mechanisms for us to do that and to challenge us to sort of raise the bar in terms of um, how we're doing that through policy and practice. And you mentioned a couple of times transit transit systems and, and such and how that kind of plays a role. Uh, do you think that there's work to be done because there, there are certainly uh, people that are questioning the role of the WHO that are a bit skeptical maybe coming out to, at this point in the pandemic? Uh, there's our conspiracy theories about things like 15-minute cities. Uh, how do we kind of get the trust of, of people that, that these are these are organizations that, that are really there for for the the greater good or that that are there talking about health Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a number of ways through which we could do that, but one of which is to sort of keep our ear to the ground, understand the kinds of conversations that people are having in their daily lives, thinking about the languages, uh, sorry, languages, well, languages, thinking about the language that people are using to communicate about the kinds of issues that you were just mentioning, and making sure that our public health messaging is actually echoing that language in terms of actually talking about things like um, transportation around health for all, even addressing head-on conspiracy that we actually hear becoming popular vocabulary and making sure that we're actually communicating about those things as opposed to avoiding those difficult conversations. Um, You know, we want to address them head on and we want to make sure that the messaging is right so that people are feeling safe and comfortable um, and that also people can identify sort of um, safe uh, public health practices and in ways that they recognize actually are doing good as opposed to doing harm. All right. It's an interesting conversation for sure to be having on this World Health Day. Dr. Valerie Crooks, thank you so much. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're most welcome. Anytime. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.